SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen this week. As always, I'm joined by Stefan Chin. Hello. What's your tagline? The back of your leg is always clean. Boom. (laughs) Take that, haters. (laughs) Sam Schultz is also here. Hello. What's the longest thing you can think of? A blue whale. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah, blue whales are pretty Pretty long. long. Yeah, I bet there like there's some walls that are like the Great Wall of the China great is pretty walls, long. Big. Yeah, human uh, intestines. They're super they're long, long but not as long as a blue whale, it. right? How big are they? Blue whales are longer than intestines. Uncoiled. They aren't though. They're like twenty feet. Oh, okay, that's pretty short. You guys are thinking small though. I was like the length of the time that the universe has been around. That's time. That's not a thing though. Try again, one more time. What do you mean? Longest thing you can think of? Intestines. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Sam, what's your tagline? Hey, Colgan, man. Sari Riley has joined us today, too. What's your tagline? Big city farts. That's my type of tagline right there. <laughs> what's different about a big city fart Oh, versus you know. a country fart? I don't know. You, you know the microbiome's different. You leave the country, <laughs> you go into the big city, you have big dreams, you have big farts. <laughs> and I'm Hank Green, and my tagline is, darkness is always waiting for you. Oh, come mm, on. True, but depressing. Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up amaze and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding sandbucks from week to week. We do what we can to stay on topic, but judging by previous conversations, we suck at that! <laughs> and so if your tangent is real bad, we can dock you a Hank Buck. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem this week from me. Hmm. I wrote this poem about a real-life event that is happening right now in Montana. In Montana, a rancher once found two dinosaurs dancing around. A company called and said, quite appalled, those are our minerals in your ground. Years ago, you see, the rancher had talks. A company paid them to sign several docks. And now the company cries, when the bones fossilized, they were no longer bones, they were rocks. So when you own a bunch of land in a place where there might be coal or oil or natural gas... You sign away your mineral rights, but you keep the surface rights so you can keep having the water and all the stuff to make your crops and your cows and stuff. So the rancher didn't actually find the bones, but this amateur paleontologist found this amazing dinosaur fossil find. Two dinosaurs locked in battle, died together, were fossilized together, different species, and it's like a million dollar find and more than that. So the Supreme Court now has to decide whether these are bones, which would mean that they are part of the surface rights, or if they're minerals, which would make them part of the mineral rights, because it it changes who gets the money for the sale of the of the dinosaur bones. Oh my God. How much do you get for signing away your mineral rights? A lot. But also what you really are hoping is that they find something and then you get very rich. They'll get a portion of the sale of the dinosaur bones if the Supreme Court decides that they're minerals, which I don't think they will. I think they're going to look at them and say, those are bones. But like if they find natural gas on your land, like if there's good fuel deposits of some kind, this makes you quite rich. So it's a good idea to sign away your mineral rights mm. generally. It's right there in the name. Fossil fuels. They can open and shut. Add a comma. Fossils fuels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the topic of today's tangents is not fossils or weird Supreme Court cases. It's bones. It's just bones generally. But I, I found out about that story and I had to make a limerick about it. Bones are... You should know this. You did it. Yeah, they're they're, uh, mineralized. The sticks that keep us together. They're the sticks that keep us together. But you can have sticks that keep you together that aren't bones. Oh, yeah. Like Um, cartilage. Cartilage. And then you also have other skeletons that aren't bones, like outer skeletons like dogs have. exoskeletons. Yeah. (laughs) But bones are mineralized. They're basically mineralized cartilage. And they have stuff inside of them that makes... Stuff? Mm-hmm. They have stuff inside of them that makes more bone and also that makes your blood. Thanks, Bones. Well, we just ran out of places in the body to put the blood factory. And so we're like, well, <laughs> uh, all right, I guess inside we'll use the bones. The bones. <laughs> that, that, it is weird now that you say it. It's very strange. Like, where? what's going to make the blood? Yeah. Oh, the uh, bones. You know, <laughs> the creepiest thing will make the other creepiest thing. We'll use the skeleton for that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's also a very safe thing. Like, you need yeah, your true. blood. So where are you going to hide it? In your bones. Uh, no, yeah. that's where I want to put my brain. Your brain should have yeah. been in your bones. Put my brain in my bones. 
is in your bones. That's That's kind of in my bones. I want it all the way in my bones. But we have our spines, which are like bone and brain, too. Our spines are kind of bone brain. Mm -hmm. So, Sari, am I right about what bones is? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I do have etymology of bone because I do look at that now. Yeah. I only have a half answer for it. So if any linguists know the real answer, that'd be great. It seems like the word bone is from an old English word. For fuck. No. (laughs) I should have looked up how to pronounce it because I don't know how to do old English. But it's B-A with a line over it, N, Uh which also seems like it'd be pronounced bone, which is related to the Dutch bean Mm. and the German bein. Those are all in the same family. So like trace back to Germanic roots. But then separately from that, in Greek, bone was osteon. And the Proto-Indo-Europeans, which are a hypothetical people Mm -hmm. for linguistic terms, use the root from the Greek word, like ost. So that's why we have osteoblasts Mm -hmm. or osteocytes or um, osteologists or things like that. And I don't know how ost and bone became two separate things. They probably, Hmm. it sounds like to me... That we just named them twice. Like yeah. the Greeks had it. And Oftentimes we're like, things Here's are named a bone. Twice. And then the yeah. Germanic peoples were like, Bone. <laughs> and then we've merged. What do you guys call it? Bone. <laughs> Why do you call it that? Bone. <laughs> what else are you going to call it? Bone's just a freaking bone. Yeah. And now it's time for. One of our panelists has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of those facts is real, and the rest of us have to figure out, either by deduction or wild guess, which is the true fact. And if we get it right, we get a Sam buck. If not... Then Sam gets a Sam buck. Then Sam gets a Sam (laughs) buck because it's Sam this time. Hey, Sam, what's your facts? Giraffes are basically the biggest, boniest weirdos around. Okay. And to top it all off... this is just some giraffe facts (laughs) for you. (laughs) And to top it all off, they've been observed performing one of these very strange bone-based behaviors. Which is it? Number one, they commonly gnaw on skulls, antlers, and other bones that they find just laying around. Number Same. two, they can make low-frequency sounds that other giraffes hear by conducting the vibrations in the ground through their skeletons and up to their ear bones. Ooh, or number the three, earth is a bell. giraffes have so much calcium in their bones that their skeletons glow through their skin if exposed to UV light. Ooh. Ooh. That's cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So our three facts... Giraffes gnaw on those bones. Mm-hmm. Love them bones. Two, giraffes can hear low-frequency sounds or make them? Or they can pick it up through the earth so, into their ear bones. What, what's making the sounds? Other giraffes. Okay. Yeah. So they're communicating mm-hmm. through the ground, mm-hmm. through. through their bones. Mm-hmm. And final number three, they have so much calcium that their skeletons glow through their skin. Does calcium glow under Well, I would like? Google that, but I, I'm not allowed. Not allowed. <laughs> Yeah. I well, will say all bones glow under UV light. Okay. But they glow, they have so much calcium. You got to have a lot of calcium if you're a giraffe because yeah. you're very heavy and you stand on stalks. You made some poor decisions evolutionarily. No, they got to <laughs> eat those leaves. I guess yeah, they so. just stretch them yeah, to I get to those so. leaves. They need long bones. I know that animals gnaw on bones because it gives yeah. you those minerals. They, they crave that them. mineral. Yeah. Is that why dogs gnaw on bones? No, I think they're looking for the nutritive value. Mm. They mm. like the marrow and the okay. sinew and stuff on the outside. Dogs have other dogs on TV chewing bones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta get in on that. There's, There's also just a chewing instinct, things like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I like to chew mm-hmm. myself. 
Doritos mostly. <laughs> if, you wear okay. your teeth down on Doritos. <laughs> if bones were made of Doritos, oh, no. I would be a bone cruncher. <laughs> Love that. But like really hard. To, have you ever had a Dorito that's like three Doritos stuck together and it was like a mistake at the Dorito factory and you're like, ah, <laughs> Ah, that's what it'd be like if, if bones were made out of Doritos. Uh-huh. I would love it. Would it just be layers of Dorito like that? Or would it be like one thick Dorito? <laughs> How many C's in that <laughs> thick Dorito? Two. Okay. Yes, that. So I know animals gnaw on bones. I know that happens. Herbivores mm-hmm. do that too. Two, they can talk through the ground seems unlikely. That seems How like you something something could do, but you're so long when you're a giraffe. <laughs> that won't transmit. Yeah, yeah all the but, way up all my bones. But you yeah. can feel... Like, you can feel and, vibrations. Yeah, if, but like, I, this couch was shaking, I could feel it in yeah, my bones. Yeah, but how do I, a giraffe, shake the ground enough for yeah. you to feel it in I your mean, foot bones? No, Jump, for sure. Maybe. But what if it was, like, a whole family of giraffes, like, all running on sand together? Mm. Then you could be like, oh, my friends are here. My bones are telling me. That'd be nice. Seems like it would be hard to parse out <laughs> giraffe noise from all the other things well, stomping maybe that's, around. Maybe that's their special savannah. ability mm-hmm. and their bones. Mm. <laughs> I don't like that you guys think that that one might be it because I thought that was one we could definitely write yeah. off. <laughs> they also like they have very thin skin. Like there's Do not they? a lot at their mm-hmm. at the like base oh. of their legs. I also love the idea of someone going out studying scorpions or something. I don't even know if the territory right. overlaps <laughs> and then accidentally shining it up and be like, oh, <laughs> oh, I can see a whole giraffe skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you should probably answer. Okay, I'm going to go. Like I feel like gnawing on bones is kind of boring. I'm going to say Our- the weird vibration one. I'm going to go for it. It sounds unrealistic, but I love the vibrating giraffes. Uh, I'm going to go with the non-bones, I think. (sighs) I'm going to go with non-bones, too. I did this last time. I went with Stefan, and we got it wrong. Well, it's the boring old non-bones. But there's lots of really cool pictures of giraffes with entire like impala skulls in their mouths. They like suck on the bones and nobody's really sure why they do it. So the common thought is that it is to get minerals, but they have tested the Mm -hmm. dissolving quality of giraffe spit and they couldn't figure out a way that it would like get enough of anything out for it to be helpful. Yeah. So they think that it might just be because they're bored. But they've right. also found that taller giraffes chew on bones more frequently than shorter oh. giraffes. So it must they be mineral-based. crave that mineral. They must crave the mineral. But they're not eating it either. So they're, they're just, not eating it? They're just gnawing on the bones. Well, they but don't, some of it gets in there. Yeah, but not like, I don't think they think enough of it gets in there. Mm. Oh, that's for intimidation. Yeah, I mean, if I see some guy <laughs> chewing on an impala skull, I will like, not walk up to him. <laughs> what you just said reminded me of something I read. Apparently, camel bites dissolve bones, which is weird. Camel bites? What does that even mean? I don't know. So there is a paper from 1989 where they said there are four cases of severe osteolysis, so like bones breaking apart, (gasps) after camel bite. What the hell? Oh, so I don't know. Of what it, unliving people? I think unliving people. Is that what happened to Harry Potter? Is that how they make his arm go jiggly? <laughs> they had a camel just, in there. Yeah, <laughs> they spit all over it. Huh. And so I was looking how related camels and giraffes are. Like maybe at some point an ancestor could dissolve the bones and now giraffes know. just like a little crunch. <laughs> Evolutionary in their system. Number two, the, the, the low frequency sound thing is actually elephants. Oh. So there's this biologist what? named Caitlin O'Connell 
who has been studying this group of elephants since 1997. And her theory is that elephants use bone conduction to receive messages from further away than they could with just vocal communication. So she'll do experiments where she'll put speakers above ground and below ground and play different elephant calls. And she'll look at how they'll react. And they can hear the underground calls and seem to actually position themselves so that they can hear the underground calls over the like mm. the actual above ground sound. So I seem to prefer that method maybe of listening. Mm. My feet ears. Yeah, they have like a big pad of fat in their feet oh. that they can squish down, it seems like, to make them bigger on the ground. And the sound goes up their feet and then into and rattles their ear bones. Oh, so I they like might be able that. to talk from like 20 miles away with their like this like low rumble that they can do. Hey, I'm my, my penis to... turned green. <laughs> <laughs> I'm weeping pus from near my ears. Dad, what is this? I'll be right there, son. It happens to everyone. And then the see-through bone glowing is chameleons. Oh. You can shine a UV light on chameleons, and their bones seem to purposefully, like they have patterns that seem purposefully set up to for oh. things that can see UV to be able to see. Cool. So they'll have like bones pop through their face in certain places that make ridges and stuff and like you can see their ribs right through them yeah i can i'm looking at a picture of it and they just found a type of frog called the pumpkin toadlet that has big plates of bones on its back that look like they make patterns too but they're not quite sure what all of this means yet (laughs) they're not quite sure what all of this means yet the story of human existence uh next we're gonna take a short break and then it'll be time for the fact off Slasher Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money, a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I said it before, and I'll say it again. It's a subscription-based world out there. Video games, art-making programs, food delivery services, these things, they all have dang subscription services to subscribe to. And I don't want to cast aspersions? Dispersions? Aspersions. One of those. But... It does seem like part of the subscription uh, business model is to get you to subscribe to something and then hope that you lose track of everything you subscribe to and just keep forking out 10 bucks a month until the sun Mm -hmm. burns out. And you know what? That's actually a pretty good idea on their part, but it's not such a good idea for your wallet. Your money is like a bean. (laughs) (laughs) You want to plant it in fertile soil. You don't want people carving off pieces of your bean all the time. That bean's not going to grow. If there's there's a constant drain on the the bean, that (laughs) is where Rocket Money comes in. With Rocket Money, you can see all your subscriptions in one place, decide what you do and don't want, and cancel things with just a tap. Rocket Money will even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money. And beyond, I mean beans, and beyond subscription canceling, (laughs) Rocket Money helps you build budgets, track your spending, and more. There's all kinds of ways to take care of those beans so they grow into a nice big bean plant. It has over 5 million users and it helps save members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. What would you do with 720 beans? I'd buy more beans. (laughs) (laughs) Different kind of bean, I guess. A a cheaper, more of a cheaper type of bean. You buy cheaper beans with your expensive beans. (laughs) Yeah, until I had an infinite amount of the cheapest bean you could possibly have. (laughs) (laughs) Subscription companies hate this one simple trick because 
you figured out their plot and now you can use that money for beans instead. Stop wasting (laughs) money on things you don't use and start using money on things like beans. Cancel your (laughs) unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. Sideshow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome back, Sam Buck Totals. Sari, you have nothing. <laughs> Sam and Stefan are tied with one, and I've got two. Wow. I haven't been winning in a long time. And I'm really lucky no one docked me for my weird Doritos tangent. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was into it. I was thinking about it, but uh, <laughs> I do know the scores. Me and you are tied at five. Okay. And Stefan and Sari are tied at seven. Oh. Never mind. I was like, you're so you fast. both ahead again. <laughs> no, no. We're tied for last. Oh, okay. Yeah. And now it's time for the fact off, where two panelists have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow our minds. We each have a sandbuck to award to the fact that we like the most. And this week, it's Sari versus Stefan. And who goes first will be determined by who can tell me the average uh, human baby has how many more bones than the average human Adult. 112. Mm. 112 more? 112 more bones in a baby than an adult. Yeah, I think think it's a lot. I'm going to say 64. The answer, 94. So you went over, Sari. Mm. So Stefan gets to choose who goes first. I pick Sari. (laughs) So, Sari, what's your fact? There's an extremely weird caprid, which is a subfamily of bovines. And this particular one is actually more closely related to a sheep, but it's called a goat. 
called Myotragus balyricus that's now extinct. And this goat lived exclusively on what's now the island of Majorca for what seemed like 5.2 million years Ooh. until humans arrived on the yeah. island around 3,000 years ago. And killed them. Mm -hmm. And scientists are kind of confused as to how it lived so long because the adult myotragus were around 18 inches high. The babies were around the size oh. of a large rat and took maybe what? 12 years to grow up. Oh, they had the relatively small brains and tiny front-facing eyes to save energy. <laughs> and their skeleton made scientists think that they weren't able to run jump or move fast around <laughs> but there likely weren't predators on the island because there wasn't a lot living there because it was so nutritionally poor and barren and blah and so even weirder than all that all mammals and other endothermic animals which are animals that can generate their own heat have uninterrupted fast growth of their bones because we eat and grow pretty much continuously mm. but the bones of this goat were different because they had interrupted growth and what's known as lamellar zonal tissue in the cortex of their bones, sort of like the rings in a tree, which is a trait that was otherwise just in ectothermic reptiles. So oh, basically, whoa. these goats had the growth and metabolism rates <sighs> of a crocodile, where they adjusted to the food oh, and temperature no. available and like sunned themselves, and their <laughs> growth changed based on the resources available. And this probably let them survive times of scarcity, mm. which is why they could survive for millions of years on this very bad island. <laughs> <laughs> I am so mad that we can't look at one of these things and study it. Are they sure that they just don't have weird bones? I think they're pretty sure. I think they're because they were studying, doing micrographs of them and really looking at them on a molecular level. And the scientists were so shocked because it's like, this is not typical mammalian bone tissue. This looks like a lizard. And it explains like the big mystery of how did these very... Mm -hmm. Bad. We bad, bad ghosts like <laughs> live for so long on this island. And it's because they didn't need that much food or they, I don't know, just yeah. moved slowly. Man, I want these goats so bad. Stefan, what's your fact? So a team at MIT wanted to create a device that's kind of like Siri or Google Assistant, but that was like more seamlessly integrated into you. Oh, it felt like more of an extension uh -huh. of your brain. Yeah. So they developed this headset that goes around your ear and extends down to the jaw. So it's not over the ear. It's not in the ear. It goes around the ear. And using this device, you can silently interact with different things. Like they, they have a video that shows someone like controlling their Roku. But they had people like playing chess, like doing math, like all kinds of stuff. So to someone who's not wearing the device, all of this interaction seems silent. It's completely silent. So what's happening is when you read silently to yourself, you're doing something called sub-vocalization. Even if you're not mouthing out the words, your intent to speak is creating tiny muscular movements. It's it's not even movements necessarily. It seems like, so in the paper, it says that this thing can, is picking up on ionic movement caused by muscle fiber resistance. And I don't really know what that means. Sure, but me either. But they pointed out that this is better than EMG. Like EMG can't, What's is EMG? not. That's normally how you would read like muscle activation. Oh, okay. Is like the electrical activity happening. Okay. But they describe it as, it's sort of similar to how like some modern prosthetics work where you sort of think about what you want to do and mm -hmm. the device can interpret that motion and like move the prosthetic. So it reads those signals from your jaw, which apparently is the, the strongest and most reliable place to read that. And then it performs the action. But then to communicate back to you, 
it uses bone conduction headphones. And so that's the part that's around your ear mm-hmm. is it's just vibrating the bone behind your ear. That's part of your skull. And that goes right into your ear. And so you, you can hear the little Google assistant or whatever speaking to you, but it's completely silent. And this is apparently how we can hear underwater hmm. is through this bone conduction. Ah. Like, oh, because yeah. without the air, like apparently our eardrums are not, are pretty useless. Which is just like weird. elephant feet. And elephant feet and baleen whales, which I think we've talked oh. about before. Oh, yeah, because it vibrates uh, some kind of goo inside of their neck or something, right? Yeah, and it's also, apparently, they communicate at such low frequencies that the wavelengths are, like, longer than their bodies. And the tiny eardrums are too small to pick those up. And so they have to, like, use the whole skull as, like, right. the thing the to, that receives that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So I have a Google Assistant, mm-hmm. and I communicate with it, but I don't like it. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to say the words, and I don't want to talk yeah. to this thing that I know is not a person. I find it weird, and I feel weird not saying thank you to it, <laughs> even though I know it's not a person. I don't know. There's something weirdly social, even if I'm alone about talking. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to not say it, but control it. Yeah. So this makes a lot of sense to me. All right. You want to give your point away? Sure. Do you want to give your point away? I do. Okay. I thought it was going to be easy, but Stefan made it hard. Three, two, one. Sari. Well, Mm. not that hard, apparently. It was so I thought when you said that you were going to give it to Stefan, so I was going to give mine to Sari. No. Oh, okay. You can't game the system (laughs) anymore. Game the system. (laughs) You just have to admit that you love these goats. I do love protect them with your whole life. Now it's time to ask the science couch. We've got a listener question for our couch of finely honed scientific minds. It's from HippieJack3, who says, how did bones evolve? Like, specifically, how did tissue come to incorporate calcium? Did teeth evolve separately, or are they somehow different from other bones? The evolution of bones, I found, <laughs> is very contentious. Ooh, wow. <laughs> Almost, like, a sliver of hope in me was like, there has to be an answer. Nope. It's all over the place. Okay. <laughs> so, once upon a time... <laughs> The bone fairy came to Earth and was like, some of you have bones now. <laughs> but the bone fairy was really tectonic plate shifting five billion years ago. Yeah, no, that's what they call the bone fairy. So those shifted, which resulted in a lot of minerals like calcium carbonate ending mm. up in the ocean, which then at some point organisms started to incorporate in, into them, which made things like shells and spines and other mm. hard body parts, which led to a huge increase in organism diversity. And then... Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Fast forward a bones. few billion years. Bones. So one paper that I was reading said that all types of mineralized tissues found in living vertebrates, so bone, cartilage, enamel, dentine, seem to appear fairly simultaneously on the mm. fossil record around mm-hmm. 420 million years ago. Parentheses, blaze it. I know that joke. Parentheses, blaze it, she said. <laughs> I'm so proud. But the big source of a lot of controversy is a material called aspidin. People have been arguing for at least 160 years about what it is. Basically, it's a tissue in, I think, a Paleozoic species or a group of animals called the heterostracan fossil armor jawless vertebrates. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. What kind of fish you're talking about? They have the mm-hmm. are they the ones with the helmets on their heads, yeah. kind of? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the tissue forming most of their skeleton is called aspidin. And on a microscopic level, aspidin is crisscrossed. It has like a bunch of tubes inside, like little holes. Mm-hmm. That is what scientists are arguing about. Like, are they 
cell spaces for bones. So like in our bones, there's room for marrow and bone cells inside so that you can generate more bone. Mm -hmm. Are they spaces for dentine? Are they like super, super tough? Do they have like attachment fibers like collagen inside? Do they have other things? So like without knowing what is inside it. We don't know how to classify it. Like, is it a precursor to all the tissues, the mm-hmm. mineralized tissues that differentiated? Or is it like the original bone? Mm-hmm. And no one seems to have come to a conclusion, but it's very interesting to hear like all the arguments one way or another if you care about this kind of thing. I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people just like get really firm in their papers. It's like, this is wrong. Instead, we propose that aspidin is the earliest evidence of bone. And then you can hear like their scientific mic drop. There's another closed. person being like, no, 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 it can't be. Um, but aspirin is not something that still exists. No. There's also some discussion about acellular bone versus cellular bone. So cellular bone being bone that has bone cells that produce more bone inside versus acellular bone where the bone cells are like away from it and then they deposit the cells Mm. elsewhere Mm -hmm. is from my understanding. Anyway, teeth are even more complicated. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know when they came about relative to the other parts of the skeleton. We've been studying tooth-like structures and jawbones and fish. Like fish is where all this research is being conducted. Mm -hmm. There are two big camps that I could find. The inside-out hypothesis is that teeth came first and then exoskeletons of fish came later based on Mm. the teeth. But then other people are like, no, it's the other way around. We had jaws first Mm -hmm. and then teeth. If only we were around 420 million years ago, we could just look. But we weren't because bones didn't exist yet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But this is making me think, so if you found a planet that didn't have tectonic activity to deposit all that calcium in the Mm -hmm. ocean, then you're just going to have a bunch of soft squishy creatures it's true living though on there's planet. nothing wrong with a squishy creature there's still plenty of squishy creatures out there true. so the answer is there's no answer so the answer is we don't we do not have a good idea we just know and that I'm, fish were the original bone havers yes. one way or the other yeah okay yep and there's probably just like there was a bunch of calcium around and so at right. some point life accidentally mutated to yeah. absorb some of that mm-hmm. calcium like, Ooh, there's a part of my body that's hard now and yeah. that is helpful <laughs> Every teenager's Uh experience. Oh, God. If you want to ask the science couch your questions, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at I'm going to take a nap and at Shanna Gecko and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this episode. Sam Buck, final scores. Sari with two. Me with two. Sam with one and Stefan with one. That's all right. That's fine. That's okay. I don't care. I'm back with a vengeance. Yeah, blast it off. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. First, leave us a review wherever you listen. That's helpful. And it helps us know what you like about the show. Also, we'll be looking at iTunes for topic ideas for future episodes. So you can leave those in your reviews as well. Second, you can tweet out your favorite moment from this episode. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just... Tell people about us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stephen June. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangent is a co-production of Complexly and the wonderful team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes, along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our editorial assistant is Deboki Chakravarti, and our sound design is by Joseph Tunamedish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. 
But one more thing. The tail. The beautiful bony crown that makes a butt early shine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But sometimes the tail can be a liability. Uh And that's why lizards, some lizards, have developed the ability to detach their own tails in emergency situations, also known as autotomy, which means self-amputation. And then they can grow them back later. However, and this may be something that everybody else knew, but it never occurred to me, they can't grow their bones back in their tail. So they basically just have like a weird dumb tail. It's just a tube of cartilage with like bad skin on it because they can't, they haven't figured out how to actually regrow the bones. Huh. And I couldn't figure out why they even needed it again in the first place. Just in case they needed to throw it off again. again. Well, there you go. They do store fat in it. I guess that's true. You have to have the stick to put the fat on. Like a butt corn dog. 